Good morning. It is, I guess it's a... Um, custom for talks during Sishin to not so much be focused on what's happening on the outside world. Can you hear me? I'll speak up a little. So... But I'm, I, uh, there are a lot of people in this room deeply affected here by what's happening. And so, I don't, it's not so much talking about it specifically, although what comes up for me is, and I don't say this from any sense of authority or, or because I don't have any in this way, but from brokenheartedness, is that I am just sorry. I am just sorry to all the women in this room and beyond whose voices and words and experiences and labor, and genius, and joy, bodies, completeness, have been ignored, and disrespected, and tossed aside, controlled, stolen, since before our histories can even remember. that that is being enacted again. And again and again. I cannot think of any more real and important expression than we have right now of how our personal and our collective karma are the same thing. We are sitting with the entire world, each of us. We are sitting with the entire world and all of its ages, all of its histories, And they are in our bodies in extremely real and intimate ways. And how do we respond? Probably everything comes up. every possible response or lack of response. Control, strategy, 
dominate the dominators. Despair, hopelessness, not changing, not going to change. Total distrust. All of those come up for me. Not that this has not always been the case, but we live in a time that is um, making naked our obsession with dominating each other. Our idea is that this is going to somehow work. the right people are in charge or whatever one group dominates one they resent they dominate the one who dominated them and we push history forward but mother earth is throwing this in our faces And making it clear that we have got to wake up from this way of being. Am I not being heard? Sorry. I'm having trouble projecting right now. Um, But, you know, we can talk about working with karma all day and night. And this is what it is to work with karma. What's happening now, watching what's coming up for me in response to this. How do I work with that? Having my own history of Abuse, I have a strong urge to dominate the dominator. It's a strong urge. Overwhelm the ones who are trying to crush people. And I have to watch that I'm in the karmic game. I don't tend to fall on the despair side. Some people fall on the despair side or on the hopelessness side. I'm, I'm an anger fighter type. So that's what I have to watch. Because I think I have enough information that going back and forth like our current government is doing, our current world is doing, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's escalating. We are escalating. 
and I'm feeling the escalation in my body. And to live in that, to live in that shared karmic history of violence, it's very difficult to navigate. It is not easy to navigate. We can talk about Buddhist thought and theory and practice, but when we're in the middle of it, it is really hard to navigate because people are, people have died. People have been imprisoned. People have been beaten. People have been, it goes on and on and on. And that's in us. And so we have these traumas and energies in our body and then something happens and that leaps forward. And part of that is trauma and part of that is a deep sense of fairness and justice. And they get mixed up. And how do we discern? (laughs) Because it gets so overwhelming that sometimes we just have to sit down. And that's the thing when I've been feeling through this over the last a while now, but it seems intensified or slowly intensifying. I cannot find strength in fear. If something brings up fear in me, because now there's a possible future that looks even worse than what maybe I imagined, which I don't know what it's going to be. I have no idea. I don't know what's going to give birth to what. But if I have an imagination of something like that, one group of people has a fear of a possible future, they try to control another group of people so that the future doesn't happen. And then the other group of people does the exact same thing. And we're all trying to control possible futures based on a fear of what's happened to us already. Happening again. That's not to say, that's not to in any way diminish that strategy. It actually makes sense. Makes sense to say this pain and terrible thing happened to me before, and I'm going to try to control things so it doesn't happen to me again. That's not crazy. It just, when everyone's doing it, it makes a mess of things really, really fast. So then where do we draw our strength from? The Bodhisattva vow that we chant about. Can I see your card for a second? That we chant about in the evening. 
where Dogen says, the aspiration is neither originally existent nor does it emerge all of the sudden. It is neither one nor many. It is neither spontaneous nor formed gradually. The aspiration is not yourself nor are you in it. This aspiration is now pervasive in the world of phenomena. The Bodhisattva vow aspiration is not pervasive in the world of phenomena. We do not see it everywhere around us. It is neither before nor after. It is neither existent nor non-existent. It is neither self-nature nor other nature. It is neither common nature nor causeless nature. It goes on and on, but... It's not coming from the world of karma. It's not coming from the world of causes and conditions in the same way. That which emerges to respond to the violence of the world or to respond to the separation of the world or to respond to the dualism of the world is not coming from the separation and the dualism of the world. It's not coming from my sense of my separate self that is going to come up with ideas about how to respond. This is very hard to believe. Because I'm used to coming up with ideas about how to respond. I'm just very used to that habit. The idea that in the face of all of this, I'm somehow supposed to sit and wait... Now, that waiting doesn't mean do nothing. It often becomes confused with doing nothing. We have to wait around until we have an idea that's a really good one, and then we go do something. It means knowing where wisdom comes from. That it doesn't come from my ratcheted up karmic mind or my fearful karmic mind or my super energized karmic mind or whatever's going on or my desperate karmic mind or my hopeless karmic mind. It is not going to come from there. I do have to have a practice in my life that is about listening. Deeply listening into what is before, after, not before, not after, underneath, beyond, incomprehensibly not what I think I am. That is coming from mystery. Every time we sit down and our compulsive habit mind comes up and we don't do something about it, we don't grab it, space of possibility is created every single time and not only that every time we sit zazen we choose to sit down in a place and be still with all our karma we are choosing not to live from fear Because that, there is nothing in us that wants us to do that. Whatever our karma is, it is not really 
excited about being witnessed and mirrored. It doesn't mean fear might not come up. It doesn't mean we won't do things in Zazen that, have, that, that are out of fear, deluding ourselves and checking out and all of the things. It doesn't mean any of that. But the choice to sit down and do something every day that is not coming from fear. And sometimes you might have it in the mind, well, sometimes I sit down because I am scared and I need to deal with it. Okay, fine. Sometimes you sit down or I sit down because there's fear. But that is still a fearless choice to face your fear, to understand your fear. Bodhisattva has fear or can have fear but does not live from fear. Fear is not the source of bodhisattva activity. This is unpopular. If you look at uh, Thich Nhat Hanh and, and, and um, Martin Luther King come to mind, they were unpopular on both sides of the fence in both cases. In their time, neither side liked them. History now paints a different picture, but that was not what was going on. The world wants us to take hard sides. The human world, for whatever reason, seems to need to feel comfortable in this way. And when somebody comes from a different place, not a naive place, not a shallow notion of love where that doesn't recognize the harm that's going on, but a living from love that fully recognizes what causes harm, what continues it, what replicates it. So we come together and we root ourselves in that vow. It does by no means means the world is going to become less painful. In fact, in my experience, it becomes more painful. The experience of the world becomes more painful but it also becomes more joyous and more loving and more connected. And the delusion that somewhere in the phenomenon, in the karmic world of particulars, I'm going to find one little thing that is going to make me all-powerful and safe forever. That goes away. We don't like when that goes away. I don't like when that goes away. But there's something that then can shift and we can feel into 
a deep connection with all things that is the real strength of who we are. There are people, several people who have come into um, practice discussion and said some version of, I'm afraid of the Bodhisattva vow or I'm scared of awakening or whatever because um, I know everything is going to radically change at that point and I'm afraid of that. Or I don't deserve it or some other thing. But it's going to be a totally different world if that happens. Let's hope so. Let's hope that that's exactly what happens. To ask ourselves, what is the world I'm holding on to? What is the world that I think needs to be grasped? that I think is going to somehow be better. Um, That some sort of separation is going to be better. It reminds me of, and I'm probably going to quote this wrong, but many of you know this phrase, the Baldwin phrase of um, love takes off the masks we fear We cannot live without, but know that we cannot live within. The masks, those masks of separation, just, they're going to fall. And that will feel, that feels terrifying. That feels unknown. And that throws us into radical relationship with each other. Unprotected, vulnerable, radical relationship with each other. So living from that place, letting that wisdom come up, letting the Bodhisattva vow, dropping the Bodhisattva vow into our karmic life, for the benefit of all beings, to strip the masks away that are disallowing living for the benefit of all beings. How do we then turn to the karmic mess? Living in it, but not believing that that is where that that way of responding to each other, that I'm going to find a side that is going to inform me and give me the complete picture. We may be living, this is a long view, and this is my very hopeful view. We may be living in a time that is beginning to communicate. This is what I hope. that this way of, no matter where we land in the fight, the fight is not going to take us anywhere, except more fighting. So the people that we remember and the people that we value 
as our spiritual leaders, the ones who were able to stand up in the middle of that from a place that was different. And yes, they often lost their lives for it. That will probably always be true as long as this way of being happens. When someone stands up in a system that values domination, we risk domination. We risk being dominated. And depending on where we are, some people are feeling being dominated every day of their lives. That may not be the thing to do. For others, it may be. I think that is a, this is a very Christian word for a Buddhist setting, but that is a calling that is deeper than any of us rationally understand. And if that is something that comes up in one's life, then that is what it is. If it is not, then some other expression happens. But regardless, whether it's in our day job or leaving that job or going to a monastery or becoming a school teacher or whatever the expression is, how do we live from a non-dual bodhisattva vow of the liberation of all beings in the middle of beings trying to rip each other apart without choosing a side? Also in the middle of beings loving each other all the time. This talk is focusing on the painful side, but there's a whole lot of loving each other going on. Walk down the street and pay attention to the ways we're taking care of each other all the time. All the time, and I mean all the time. That cars aren't just running everybody over. Because we don't, we actually don't want to run a person over. We're not crazy, raged, thoughtless beings either. So this is to encourage us to sit and take up a deep practice. What this is doing for me is pointing me toward increasing my devotion to sitting practice and listening for a wisdom that is not this, that can respond to this, that can inform this, that isn't this. And to look at my own willingness sometimes to fall off my seat when I'm overwhelmed. And then to put myself back on my seat. So I encourage us to do that together, to sit together, to feel each other, to root ourselves together. This is going to be done together. We're taking personal responsibility for collective karma, but we're going to do it together. It is the only way. The world needs communities of people who unwaveringly love. May our intention be
Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.